In our 20s, people expect us to have things figured out. Us too. A well-paying job, getting closer to marriage, making new friends, and exploring the world. Lots of definitive moments happen in your 20s. But what if we move to the other side of the world? And what if we put our dreams first? I'm Mai. I'm Belle. And in this podcast, we share our thoughts about things that have defined our early 20s. Important moments in life and how we create our path to our late 20s. Welcome, Welcome to the I'm 22 Podcast. Hey, 20s family, welcome to the I'm 22 podcast. I'm Mai. And I'm Val. And we're really excited to start this podcast with you. We're going to tell you about our background. I don't know, Mai, where you want to start? One day, we were walking back to school and we were like, hey, I've always wanted to start this podcast. And Val was also like, I want to start a podcast too. So we bonded over that idea of starting a podcast together. And now it's actually happening, which is very exciting, right? Yeah, well, if you want to know where are we today, we are in Valencia, Spain, and we have a really funny background of being here and just like how the world connected us. We're actually starting at Berkeley College of Music. We're studying music business and I am from Mexico. Yeah, and I'm from Hanoi, Vietnam. Two people completely different <laughs> worlds and we're together here. So we are really excited. We started with this idea of talking about our 20s. We feel like we come to so many situations and we keep learning and maybe we expect a lot of things at certain age and they're not there or we're getting there. So it is really important to talk about these topics where we can relate. And I am sure you also can relate to us. And I think it's a common theme among many people in their 20s. We're trying to figure out our lives. And me and Val both just moved from our home countries to a brand new country. I've never been to Europe before in my life. And so I've always dreamed about living in Europe. Not specifically Valencia, but it's also a really good city to kind of explore. And overall, it's a really good vibe to meet people like Val and people who are passionate about music in general at Berkeley. So this is how the podcast kind of started. But my background, I was classically trained as a pianist and went to school in Vietnam until high school. And then I moved to the United States. I went to school in Texas for piano performance and communication film. Now I've kind of switched my career into music business marketing side of things. What about you, Val? I started singing really, really young and I thought I was going to be a singer as like when you're young, your dream, you know, like instead of being a teacher or whatever, I said I was going to be a singer. And I always knew I was going to build a path in music, but I never thought where I would end at this point. So I actually started like with piano lessons too. I was never into classical music, you know, so I started to songwrite. I got bored, honestly, yeah. with classical music. So I was like, I think I need to make my own. And yeah, I started to build melodies and started to work on songwriting after an important situation passed through my year. So I think after that, I knew I discovered like music production in Mexico. There was just this university called Tecnológico de Monterrey who offers like the undergrad of music production. And in, since it was engineering, because our parents sometimes are like, you can study music. What are you going to live off? So it was engineering and I went through that path to convince my parents and tell them that it was a good idea and I would actually build a career, like a professional career. So I started music production and I had this side of like recording my music, producing my own music, which was all what I wanted to do. And then I realized I really enjoyed working on marketing and on the music business side. So I feel like I need to have best of both worlds, you know? Yeah, I think we both share our interest in marketing and creating social media content. But we also collaborated on a project last semester where Val had her song. And so I was collaborating as a pianist there. 
So now I've kind of moved to playing sessions or playing on other people's songs. And honestly, for me, it's also just as fun as when I'm performing myself on stage. It can get really lonely sometimes. I think that's why I kind of naturally wanted to experiment with working with other people, whether that's in a business setting or in a more studio setting. So it's always been really fun. And I'm really excited to speak with you guys and also be with Val on this podcast. Yeah, so what does this podcast represent to us? Because I think we've gone through a lot of stuff to get here yeah. to Berkeley, to move to the other side of the world. And at least for me, I think it represents everything I learned from myself and everything I've learned from others, which is something that I consider that's irreplaceable in, in a sense that everything that happens in your life takes you to where you belong unconsciously, you know, but I really like to think that. So yeah, I think that's what it represents. Talking about our stories and just sharing and getting to know other people's stories would be really helpful. I've always been interested in podcasts and storytelling. So this is another way for me to tell my story that's not music. Since I'm not really doing music full time, I'm not practicing as much. But I have been editing podcasts for a while now, two or three years. And previously, I was also a host of a radio show. I've always really loved telling stories through music and telling my own stories. But this is kind of my first time being on the mic myself, telling my personal story instead of telling other musicians' stories, telling other people's processes. So I'm really excited to let you guys get to know me a little better as my in 2023. And also my birthday's coming up. So I'm kind of moving on to a new chapter in my life where it's very exciting, but it's also very nerve wracking in terms of the music industry, what I want to do with my passion for music. And I'm sure a lot of other people, whenever they have their birthday, they're like, I want to go through a change of some sort. And I think that's what's happening for me too. Not necessarily a really big change, but mentally, I think there's a lot of shifts in, you know, in mindset and how I want to succeed or what I want to do in order to get to my personal goals. So I think a lot of that is happening right now. Do you think that also happens when the new year comes and you're like, I want to make a new year's resolution? Yeah, I mean, we have both times because the year starts and then our birthdays, for people that like zodiac signs, we're both Aquarius. And her birthday is one day away from mine. It's February 1st and February 2nd, which is really funny yeah. too, like how coincidences happen. But yeah, I, I feel that resolution thing at the beginning of the year and in my birthday again, just to reassure it. Did I start the first month the right way? That's the question I, I always make to myself. And yeah, definitely, I feel like getting more into closer to your 30s gets you a little bit of stress. What am I going to do next? Like, and then we're on the master's degree when we graduate on July. And the question now is, what are we going to do next? I'm a person that plans at least two years far like from now. And I have no plan. And I don't know if I'm going to go back to Mexico, if I'm going to stay here. But yeah, this uncertainty that we have right now, I think it's a crucial moment for our lives to see what we're going to do in the next decade, you know? Yeah, I think when you go through K to 12 or even college, It's already planned out for you that, okay, next year you're going to be a junior, a senior, whatever. But when you're done with college, you're kind of like, okay, what do I do now? Do I go to school? Do I go to work? Do I just travel? And in my mind, I love traveling and I would like to do that. But when you're young, you don't have the means, you don't have money to do all those things. And so what do I do right now? And I've been talking to a lot of my peers and In our program, we also have a lot of people who have already worked a little bit in the industry or worked a lot in the industry. So it's encouraging, but it's also stressful sometimes. How do I be like them and how do I catch up to them? That's what I feel sometimes. 
What do you feel about, you know, in a class that's so diverse in terms of nationality, ethnicity, and also experience? How do you feel when you're coming to class and sometimes you're like, oh, I've only lived 22 or 23 years of my life. How do I kind of make up for the time that people's already been working and hustling? Well, I think people do have a huge path comparing to us because we're young and there are people that are older than us. Well, we studied at undergrad and came straight here, which was like something good for me because I had that plan. Like, what am I going to do next? And it was something that was secured. But I feel like the more versatile we are, is the bigger the path we're creating, even though we don't have that much years of experience. I feel like working in different projects give you different uh, skills that's going to get you there sooner. So I guess like there's this competitiveness and there's like we compare sometimes to other people's path. But I feel like if we're working enough in different stuff, We'll get there. So yeah, it is stressful, but I feel like uncertainty is the thing that stresses the most. Not getting a job or we're going to figure it out somehow, even though we don't know where we're going to end. There is a difference in terms of age and maybe in maturity, which is kind of normal. I feel like networking has helped us so much. <laughs> and I don't want to get into that topic. No, yeah, I don't want to get into that topic because we live from it. Actually, we, yeah, we breathe <laughs> networking. So talking about this context, because we don't want to get that much into Berkeley now. When you were little, what did you dream of? You know, I dreamt of doing a lot of things and most of it is fed by media because I love watching TV. That's why I majored in film in the first place in undergrad. But I've always had two dreams. One is to become an announcer, which I guess this is one way to do it. And the other was to be a professional classical pianist. And I didn't really know what that meant, but I've always loved being able to control my music and put emotions into classical music. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's not fun. It's boring. Or do you like Bach? You like Mozart? But I'm happy because I love classical music. And I went through a lot of training and a lot of education for how music even started back in the days. And so I think I have a better appreciation for the music making process, all the complexities. And I don't understand every single thing about theory. I don't know every composer off the top of my head, but the pieces that I've got to encounter during my training and the professors that have come into my life and taught me lessons, whether it's really hard lessons or sometimes they just let me be, I've become a better musician and a better person because of my classical training. So I think I really wanted to be a classical pianist, but up until high school or college, maybe I was stressed because you get to a point where you get really lonely when you're practicing so many hours or it gets really demanding because classical music, I think, is the highest in terms of expectations. There's so many things to compare yourselves to because it's one piece and there might be a thousand or millions of people who have played the same piece before. Everyone knows Chopin, for example. So you kind of feel like you're comparing yourself. But then also after a while, it's like I want to maybe explore new genres, different types of music. And so right now, I'm really happy that I've been able to find my path in marketing and working with Asian artists specifically. I really love discovering new music and even with like Vietnamese music I still don't know everything about it so now I find my new passion which is not so much a profession you know I don't really know what exactly I want to do but I want to be supporting Asian creatives Asian artists and promoting Vietnamese culture but overall Asian culture what about you like what did you dream of when you were little 
Well, when I was three years old, I started singing. I never understood what I was singing, like the lyric, but it was really fun for me. And I actually, I didn't have singing classes until I was 18. I was already in high school, but I had this dream until I was like around junior high school. And I started songwriting around 11 after losing my great one mother. I was not this extrovert that I am right now. I was <laughs> completely introvert. Like I never spoke about my feelings. I just written down like in my songs. But actually, I didn't start liking a song of mine until I was 15, I would say. I didn't give up. You know, you have to build something until you really like it and say, okay, this is something I would actually show to someone. Because that is another thing that I struggle with, sharing my songwriting, at least with my friends. And I didn't want it to do that. I didn't want people to understand like how I was feeling or what I was thinking. Or if I was like a guy or something, you know, like I just wanted to keep everything for myself. So I had this dream for several years and there was a point where I decided to study music production, which was when I was in junior high. I was sure since I was 11 years old that I wanted to be a music producer. <laughs> so it was kind of funny because my family was like, you need to explore more, like see other options. I was like, no, I want to study that. So I was really, really secure about the decision. And the reason why is because I wanted to produce and do everything for my EP. Obviously, at that time, I was like, yeah, I released my first album, but time consumes and you have other stuff. And I recorded my EP, which is called Running Out of Time, which is uh, on Spotify or any other platform. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to make make a <laughs> yeah, an announce. <laughs> but yeah, so actually, I as you said, like my songwriting is storytelling for me. I write about everything that happens. I like to feel that everything is so transparent. And I decided to show to people because I feel like people can read me easily. I'm so expressive. So I was like, I think when I don't like something, you can see me and you can see totally that I don't like it. Like, I can't hide it. So I started to decide to be more extrovert in a sense that maybe someone would relate to my music. And that was really beautiful to see. Yeah, I released my music, which as you may, I didn't wrote it like long time, long time ago, actually, like not new. And I feel like also this was a crucial part of my life where I feel like people at high school at the time that I wrote it would relate to. So yeah, that, that was like kind of my dream. And then since I started building like my artistic identity and you get into marketing and you get into styling and then you get through this finding your artistic DNA, as I like to call it, I decided that I really enjoyed that part. And I wanted to do that with more people, with more artists. So I feel like the dream is still there but in a sense of not only with my music but working with other artists I love working with identity I love working in finding an audience so I feel like building my own project and helping others would be something that I would never get bored of it's just like personalities are different ambiences are different and everyone besides the music genre has its own niche or its own differentiation point so yeah I really like to work with that I guess to follow up on what you said who were some of your biggest influences when you were little because you've been like singing and writing songs for a long time. But who kind of inspired you to do that? Well, when I was little, <laughs> you're going to laugh about this. But when I was little, I didn't have Disney Channel. But for my cousins, I started yeah. to see Hannah Montana. So yeah. I started to songwrite after that show. And then until high school, I discovered Taylor Swift. And I realized that it was something similar of the type of the music I was trying to write. Because at the time she started, she was like around also like really young. Maybe in elementary school, I'm not sure. And I feel like I could relate to her music. So I started to listen more and have her country pop music, like the beginning of her career, into my influences. Then Adele appeared, then Sam Smith oh, appeared. Yeah. So I started to get like a lot of, I stayed with a lot of arrangements and a really acoustic music because that's what I liked when I was young. And I had this classic rock background too, like obviously like Journey or like ACDC. So there were like some bands that I was like, I don't know if I'm going to stay with pop, but I can do a mix of genres and include like rock. So yeah, I never stick to a genre. I like to explore and it all depends on how I'm feeling. The genre I will produce, you know, like, so it's really fun. 
That's so cool. I actually also watched a lot of Hannah Montana growing up and then Sweet of Zack and Cody and Camp Rock. Yeah. Yeah, I watched a lot of that to learn English. So English is not our first language at all. My first language is Vietnamese and hers is Spanish. Watching TV was the fastest way for me to learn another language. Also super entertaining to see different culture. Like we don't have shows like that back then. So I learned a lot of English that way. And I think my biggest influences, obviously like classical pianists and classical composers, but I also really loved jazz. My dad had a couple of CDs. So, you know, back in the days we didn't have phones, but we always had a CD player at home. And so one of my favorite CDs is Nat King Cole's CD. I loved his music and I love the energy coming from him, the positive energy coming from him. And I would always say one of the biggest songs in my life is Smile by Nat King Cole. And the whole song is telling you to smile. Nowadays, it's such an important reminder. But for me as a kid, back in Vietnam, I've always had really packed classes till evening because I went to two schools at the same time. So I went to a conservatory for piano and then I went to an academic school that was like 13 subjects and bazillion after classes. So I was always stressed and I'm sure a lot of people growing up in Asia could relate to this because you usually have to go to extra classes to make up for school or just to catch up with your peers. I was very stressed at that time. Plus, I was also doing quite a bit of piano competitions as well. So it was a great reminder for me to just be positive, be happy, and then things will come. Yeah, well, I guess like... If we have music backgrounds and we have other studies at the same time, that requires a lot of discipline. And we've been building this up since we were really young. And I want to get to this point in what does success mean for us in terms of everything? Because, yeah, I, I feel like we've been building this career and this path with a lot of discipline. And to what point there's never like something perfect. It's so hard to, to feel like even when I songwrite and I, I produce some music and I release it. I feel like nothing's perfect. And then what does success mean for us in sense of releasing your music, in sense of getting a job, in sense of lifestyle? Like, what are your personal dreams? You know, what does it mean for you? Oh, I want to throw this back at you because this is hard. I think my dad would want success to mean happiness for me. He always says he doesn't really care about what I do in my life. Obviously, he wants me to do good for society, but he just generally wants me to be happy. And I think that's for all parents too. They just want their kids to be happy and then healthy. For me, I think success means making them proud, making my family proud, making the people who supported me in my journey proud. And obviously, telling Asian parents that you're going to do music or whatever I'm trying to do right now, they don't really understand it. And I don't think they will fully understand what I'm doing with my life. But I want to make them proud in the sense that, say, one day they're not able to travel to where I am. They can't fly to me. They can still see me on TV or on, you know, on their phones or they can still access me. So that's one thing. And then secondly, like I said earlier, I really care a lot about supporting my community of Asian creatives. And I think a big goal for me is to be able to promote the different pockets of cultures and the different ethnicities and the music that we have in Asia in general. Because you know, nowadays people think of Asia as China, Japan and Korea, but there's so much more to that. We are such a big continent. We have a lot of history and we even have a lot of traditional instruments that people have never heard of. Just a lot of rich culture that people haven't heard of. So I really want to do my part in helping Asian artists get their voice out there. And it's not just musicians. It can also be producers, people who are in the music business, people who want to start PROs, CMOs, and those sort of things. So that's the second mission. And then third is, 
I think success would also be finding myself a good support system that's not my family boyfriend, a husband, or a community of friends that's not based in Vietnam. I would ideally like to be based in the West just because ever since college, I've really vibed with the way that people work hard for their dreams in the West. And not that they don't work hard in Asia, but I just am able to communicate much more openly in the West. I just really want to be able to find a place that I can call home, find a support system where that's a person or a community and give my parents a better life. Yeah, I think that's how I would say it. What about you? Okay, well, I relate to a lot of things you say. First of all, like the happiness part from our family is something that, of course, my family has as a point of view for me too. Being happy, being plentiful is something that I put as a point. Besides that, I think in the path that I want to build for the next years. Of course, in terms of professional, I would divide it like this, would be getting a job or either having my own company. I still don't know. Having a good one that I enjoy, that I actually feel motivated every time I wake up and something that I um, feel truly passionate about. Because at the moment you don't enjoy something, I just decide to quit because that's not part of my philosophy or that's not part of what I define as success. So yeah, like getting something as a professional life that I truly enjoy, that I'm passionate about, it's success for me. Besides that, of course, as you said, I want to build a home, not in short term, obviously, because I'm still so young. I, I, Yeah, professional life goes first until at this point for me. I respect that from other people might be different. I want to build my professional career after this master's and then start building a home or making it maybe at the same time, but in a slow way, you know? Of course, I would love to have a family and I would love to have a balance between my family and my work because I truly enjoy the music industry and I know it's demanding. So finding a good point would be perfect. Besides that, my family has supported me so much and I would love to return all what they have given to me or even more if I can, you know, if life helps in a sense of that. I would love to give back to my family all the support they have given to me. And they just traveled to Europe for the first time and I'm planning to stay around. So I would love to bring them as many times as they want. You know, it will be so fulfilling for me because we've never traveled. I, this was my first time in, in Europe and uh, I feel like I fell in love so fast. I just wanted to run away, you know, like in a sense of I just wanted to travel so much and being here and living in a different country is so fulfilling and I saw in the eyes of my family how excited they were to get out so yeah I think it's all about that personal self of building a home giving to my family back what they have given to me and also finding a balance and getting passionate I know I won't stay with only one job because I love to have different projects that we are having it right now I would define both of us as workaholics but as passionate workaholics you know so yeah I think that's a point for me that's super cool You mentioned like work-life balance and not just in music, in every profession. I think we should all keep that in mind when finding our ideal jobs or when relocating or when we're taking on a lot of things. I think that's something that I want to get better in 2023 is being able to say no or being able to look at my schedule and say, hey, I need to block out some time to go eat. I yeah. need to block out time to be with friends or call my parents because last year I regretted the most not calling my parents a lot or my grandparents as well. And this year I want to get better at that, not because I did a bad job last year, just because that's what I want to do better moving forward. And I'm going to admit my mistakes and the things that I'm not good at. Sometimes, you know, when you're away and you're trying to move on with your life and you're just hustling every day, you forget there are people that want to hear about you every single day. So that's something I want to really, really get better at. I can totally relate to that, though. It's been a communication with your family when you're all the other way of the world. It's so hard, especially because the time zones are different. And besides that, we are so busy and we are involved in so many projects that time flies. 
And with the day, it doesn't have enough hours for me. I know for you either. Like, it is hard. But yeah, of course, trying to find that balance. I wish I had it right now, but that's not the case. That's one of my resolutions, actually. Like, build that balance and stick to it. So let's see how, how it let's goes. How it goes. <laughs> We've just talked a little bit about our ambitions, but how do people react when you tell them your dreams, your goals? What do they say? How's their response to it? Well, I feel like some people didn't take me as serious until I arrived here. Till they saw that I was accepted. I feel like ambition has a different meaning for everyone. And for me, dreaming crazy was my life philosophy. Like I needed to dream big in order to get to work and to earn things. Because, you know, like some people might have some facilities more than others. And for me, it was if you want to study music production, you need a scholarship. So go and get it. So I work to get it. And then if you want to go to a master's degree, you also need a scholarship yeah. and you need to get accepted because there's only 40 places. So for me, it's always been about hardworking. And honestly, since I was in high school, I was involved in as much as things as I could because I knew what I was working for. And when I told this to my friends, they were like, you can't work on all of this. You're crazy. It's just too much. You're going to have a burnout. I was like, as much as I enjoy every single thing I work on, it's going to be fine. And as you said, sometimes you just forget to eat and you just and, and your body starts to ask you for what you are not doing. And that's when you start finding a balance or that's where you start working on it more. But for me, saying that I wanted to make my music, people would say like, that's too ambitious or like until they saw that it was possible, you know. And then going to Berkeley was ambitious too, even for my close friends, because until something is close to you, you see it possible. And I wanted that to happen because I feel like as much as I made an effort, I would also inspire people around me to take the risk. For me, having a no is not a final no. Actually, my plan, honestly, my plan was to apply and see my mistake or what I did wrong because I thought I was going to get rejected. I, I don't know. Like I always stay like in these decisions that are going to change your life radically. I prefer to stay. I have no expectations. So I had no expectations and I was like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to move right after graduation. Like it sounds crazy, but I might learn from my mistakes and apply next year. And when it happened, I was completely surprised, even though I have been working so much because my friends were like, you're too ambitious. And I asked, like, what are my red flags? You know, when we make these polls on Instagram and people, my friends, even my close friends told me you're too ambitious. So I started thinking that maybe I was too ambitious and maybe before getting accepted, obviously. But I was like questioning if there was something wrong in me that I was working so much and maybe not going to parties as much. And maybe I didn't find a balance in my social and professional life as much as I wanted. Because for me, it was if I wanted to get, I need to prioritize. If I want to get that far, I need to put my priorities first. Going to parties, going to discos was not part of my lifestyle. And maybe my friends were also mad because you never go to parties, you never go out with us. And I was like, yeah, but maybe you won't understand it, but I'm, I'm trying to get to that point. You know, I'm trying to get to that goal. And it's not easy. It's not easy at all. So that's how the past years have been going through. Honestly, I'm so happy I made it because I feel like at least for my music production peers, when I was studying, some of them reached out and told me like, hey, I want to apply. So it's really nice because you see it so far. You feel like it's kind of impossible. But when someone like close to you makes it, you feel like it's possible. So it's been really inspiring, even though it was hard. I hustle, but I also see her hustle. We're both motivating each other to hustle. Yeah. <laughs> but now we do go to parties. Okay, I do actually <laughs> go to parties now. I did not know how to do that when I was in college. Plus, the pandemic kind of happened for yeah. me. To answer the same question that I asked yeah. you in terms of people's reactions, I think I've been really lucky that a lot of people in my circle, even my family, are very supportive of what I do. Like I said, I don't think they even know what I'm doing, but they're very supportive because they know how hard I work and I know how to evaluate and where to stop if I need to. So I think they're really supportive. 
But then there are also people I don't actually say or tell them everything I do until people ask me. I'm not just going to go up to someone and be like, oh, I do five different things. That's because I don't like to talk about myself. I like to learn about what other people like. And then I add to the conversation with the skills and everything I know. The hard part for me is in romantic relationship. Oh, that's such a topic. I didn't want to get there yet. (laughs) Overall, I love all my friends and my family. They're super supportive. But romantically, it can be very hard. I've been in relationships and it didn't turn out too well because I've always tried to put my career in what I need first. So even when I applied to Berkeley or went to the United States to go to college, I've always prioritized what I needed to know in life and I followed my gut instincts. And sometimes that means, okay, there's this relationship with incredible people going on and I just can't be physically there. And for me, I think that's okay because I'm young and we're allowed and we should be exploring new territories as in we should be going to new places to get knowledge or we should be meeting new people as well. Sometimes my partners are like, oh, I support you. And then the next day they dump you. Long distance relationships can get really hard. Family will give you unconditional love and they will always be there for you. But with partners and even business partners, it can be very hard to have that going. And I think that also intimidates people sometimes. But I don't feel bad about it because I'm working really hard and I don't know a lot of things and I make mistakes. But the people who are right for you will choose to stay with you. And not everyone's meant to be in your life forever. Some people are there for a season. Some people are there to lift you up to a certain point and then they leave. But that doesn't mean you won't ever find someone who's good for you anymore, who's going to support you. It just means that, okay, maybe now's the time for you to focus on yourself, on your career, on your music. And then naturally you'll attract people. If I don't get married, I'll get a dog, whatever it is. (laughs) Or two. Or two. Um, But yeah, I think it's also very intimidating for romantic partners. Yeah. Have they told you literally that you've intimidated? I mean, I don't think they say it to my face, right? But they, they're uh-huh. like, you know, why are you working so much? Maybe you could like take some time off or whatever. Indirectly. That, yeah, that's indirectly. Okay. Because, girl, I have gone through both. And I don't know how to feel about that. Like, I'm happy for you. Like, I don't know. I haven't been in that much relationship, honestly. And I, and I was never lucky, if I could say too. I can totally relate to everything you've said. But people have told me like, oh, I wanted to ask you out, but you seem really intimidating at first. But you're nice. And I'm like, what do you mean? Dude, you'd never ask me. Yeah, because you're intimidated because you're like in such things in student government. You have a lot of works and you're building your company. And I'm like, I, I still like to go out. Come on. But honestly, I feel like getting these bad experiences gets us to a point where we know what we want and what we deserve. Because it's funny when you heard from people that you're not dating. But when you're in a relationship, if you have different lifestyles, they don't totally combine. It is so easy for any of you, because for me, it was not the case. I'm so intense and I'm so passionate workaholic, as, as I was mentioning before. But maybe my partner was not involved in many things. Or maybe he was before. And then after graduation or something, like it's on a different stage of, of his life. And you see the differences more. Easy. So they start comparing. And that's the point where support and like feeling that you are maybe in a different point and you're working more and you're getting further. And you start to compare these things doesn't feel like it's a team. And and it's hard to see and it's hard to realize because you know that maybe a relationship is not good for you in that moment. So you end it. Or maybe the other person ended because it doesn't feel like it's right. When it's like kind of direct or indirectly and it gets into your mind, you start getting voices in your head and you start to question if you're right or wrong. At least for me, I, I need to say like I divide life into decades, you know, like since I was like, yeah, it's before 20s. I was like the 20s decade is to build my professional career because as women, if you want to build a family, if you want to get married, it happens around 30. 
30s or even after 30s. And it's hard to see when you are focusing only on your professional life. But I come up to the idea of, you know, when things happen, it's because they should happen. You know, like I am not going to try to have a relationship that's not working. I'm not going to try to keep something that's not giving me something good or it's not helping me grow into my professional path because that comes later. So I feel like that's the way I started and I started to learn. And I feel like because I was in a relationship and I was like, well, I want to do this. I want to go to Berkeley. I want to get to Valencia. What do you want to do? It's always like trying to be a team and to combine. But when a person maybe doesn't have dreams as you have, maybe he's going to put you first. That's not the stage in where we are. You know, I, I wouldn't put like a relationship first yet because I'm still build building my path, as I was saying. Just to share my point of view, because this is something that might happen to a lot of people, honestly. And when you have the voices in your head, it's hard to silence them and to keep going. I did feel like I, there was something wrong with me, but I was just working hard, you know? I think with inner voices, in a music sense, like as musicians, we're perfectionists, right? And so sometimes we work on the song. You can tweak a song forever. But someone once told me that if you don't release your music out there, then no one will ever hear it. You have to just let the audience decide whether it's perfect or not, because something that's a perfect listen for somebody may be a really bad song for somebody else. So it's very dependent on the audience in, you know, when we're talking about music. But in my head, I think I've figured out a way to kind of control the inner voices. Because I used to struggle with that a lot when I was doing competitions. When I was back in Vietnam, I was in a class of really smart people <laughs> in my high school and, you know, just throughout my life. And I've always kind of felt scared and compared myself because people are learning so much and they're applying to all these big schools. And for me, I just wanted to get knowledge. I didn't really have a plan. I didn't have a specific college name or anything in mind. I just wanted to learn more and I wanted to go out and meet different people. But some point during the pandemic, when I was in the States, the day that the whole U.S. kind of shut down, I would say, all my friends were like, oh my, what are you going to do? Like, I'm going to buy the plane ticket back home. And in my mind, I was like, I guess I could do that. But do I want to? I don't know. Because back then my family wasn't in Vietnam. My whole family relocated to Cambodia because of my dad's work. I can't study with my siblings like just running around all day. <laughs> and so I think I made the executive decision that I would stay back in the States. And that was the most calm I've ever been in my entire life. I was like, you know what? I will just not go back right now and I will stay here. And I started applying to different internships, even though that summer was all like remote work. I got to explore a little bit of art history, a little bit of culture while I was at home. I was doing research on my laptop. And I think that was when I told myself, hey, my, you know, you're able to control your life when everyone is just rushing back home. You can still control your life by making the decision that you think is good for you. And I think that helped me navigate really well my college years. And this summer, after three years, I was seeing my family for the first time. And it felt really weird. <laughs> But it felt really good because I was able to tell them, here are all the things that I did during college when I was not there with you. And I could tell they were very proud of me. My dad came for my graduation and he saw my documentary during this day of screening. And an audience member, when they were doing Q&A to me, one of them Q&A my dad. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they were like, you know, what do you think about my project? And he was just really proud. And I thought I was going to cry then. Usually I don't cry. You know, daughters and dads have a really weird relationship sometimes. Like I don't feel as comfortable with my dad as with my mom. I tell my mom everything, only tell my dad some things. But I could tell that he was really proud. 
And I think that's when our relationship got better. And the inner voice inside of me told me that I was doing good. I think from that point onwards, which was just this summer, I've been able to control my inner voice by reminding myself of all the things that I was able to do when I was away from home and all the things that I will be able to do when I'm away from home. But I still have my parents, my siblings and my family in the back of my head. So I think I control my nerves and control all the negative or unstable thoughts with the thought of my support system. Totally. I felt really relate to that, even though like when pandemic start, I went into a breakup before we were in lockdown. And uh, it's hard because when you're in lockdown, you don't have nothing else to do because their classes were like over for a week and they were going to plan how to start in a digital way. So all I have time to think about my breakup and I was like so depressed. The things that stop me working is emotional stuff because I start not eating or I start maybe not having any more motivation. And I hate breakups. Like, <laughs> I mean, I just had to, but like, I hate them because they do this to me and I let them do this to me because it's a decision, you know, like, and I won't permit that again. I won't allow that to happen again. But by that time, my inner voices were like, it's done. You know, like, what can I do? I have no studios. I can't produce my music. I didn't have audio equipment yet. I had to figure out a way to work it out in a creative way. And since I was in four, seeing the same four walls for two years or a year and a half, I had no inspiration for songwriting or I didn't have the motivation to to keep it, you know? So as you said, you go back to your story, to your history and see what thing you were doing right that get you to a point that you wanted to get before and you get to work your shit done. You need to get your shit done, you know, like there's no option. So I started to go out for a walk in the mornings. I started to begin my day at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. And even though we were in lockdown and people were in their PJs in classes, I was always with my makeup done. I feel like I had to motivate myself, keep me active. And I was getting into exercise, getting into uh, dress up and had the makeup always and being dressed formal and just like trying to push myself to be productive. And that was really helpful. And besides that, obviously, lockdown drains your creativity in, in some sense. At least for me, when I was composing and making music for short films, I was like, I'm drained. Like there is no more inspiration, but you need to get it done because there are like assignments. So I realized even though I felt drained, I could get things done. And step by step, you start feeling better and motivate yourself. And here we are, you know, like yeah. it's, it's really nice to see like that path and realize that even though you were having a hard time, it is worth it because it lets you where you are today. And that is something really nice to say. At least in lockdown, we were all in the same situation. It was hard to compare to others. That was like a positive side to see it, maybe. You all only had yourself to compare. You went back to your history and see like what I've done and what I need to do now. Because you didn't know what others were going, you know, maybe through Zoom, maybe just chatting, but you were not exposed to that. So now that we're back from lockdown, and I think we're the first generation that comes like straight here in Berkeley after lockdown and in presence, not virtual. Maybe it pushes a little bit to compare. What is your point of view on being compared or comparing yourself to others? Honestly, these days, I don't compare myself anymore because I'm just happy. And I can only compare myself to the me yesterday, which I know today is a much better me because I'm always learning. And I'm always reading the news. I'm listening to music. I'm interacting with new people. So I don't compare myself on most days. Sometimes I still do. But then having a little bit of comparison in your life is kind of good because it motivates you. It opens you to, okay, what else am I missing? And if you compare yourself in a positive way, no comparison is really positive, but look at it as like a learning opportunity. That's always a good thing. But in the past, when I was really young, I used to compare myself a lot. And a lot of that was also fed to you by media. Yeah. So when I was in middle school on TV, they would always have K-pop idols dancing and whatnot. And I am a big fan of K-pop. <laughs> I am a proud fan of K-pop. 
but they have a certain body type they dress a certain way they look a certain way and then you know in the dramas the leads usually go for an attractive female or whatever yeah. or the other way around so I was always like, oh, maybe I should look like that way or I dress that way or I should have a diet to get thinner or whatever. But I'm, I love food. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm the biggest foodie and I love, loved eating. Obviously that did not work out, but I think there was a period that I was comparing myself a lot to what the media had in terms of how I should look. But now I'm just like, I work out because obviously I genuinely care about myself and my mental health and my, my physique. But also the gym now is a place for me to just go in and punch a bag. It's a yeah. place for me to release stress. And when I first started working out, I was like, oh, people are just going to look at me. And, you know, I look so weird, whatever. But when you go into the gym and you're actually doing the exercise, it doesn't have to be like lifting weights. You can run, you can dance, yeah. whatever. People don't care because they're trying to do their stuff. They're trying not to be crushed by the weight, literally. And so they would not care if you looked bad. And they're actually quite a supportive, wholesome community. If yeah. you manage to find the right people, I think that's how I do it. What about you? Well, professionally, I think it's the same. I feel like we all create our paths and obviously they're going to go in different ways. Because now we come from different backgrounds, but in my undergrad, we were all building the same, you know, like you're going towards music production. And it's just a way. Business is like a bunch of options at the end, you know. So I felt like I was just building my path and focusing on it. But before, as you said, maybe what I would compare was social lifestyle. Because I feel like I didn't have that much as I wanted to. As you said, I never went clubbing until I arrived to Valencia. And that was not a priority. And that's something I don't regret, you know. I was so focused on doing my work, building an agency or just like having new projects that I maybe like left behind a little bit building a relationship back at home. I do have them, but maybe I didn't give the time that I would like to, you know, like that balance was so hard. I don't regret it at all, but I could compare maybe that I was not spending that much time with my friends as I wanted to because I was working. And it's hard to see because they see it too. So yeah, I feel like maybe that's the only thing that I've been comparing to. Obviously, social media helps that because you see everyone out and yeah. you're just working at home and you're just like working on your music, being at the studio, songwriting, or even just like, as you said, exercising late at night because you didn't have the time to do it earlier. So the balance, we come back to the balance. Like it's something that is challenging and it can be bad in a sense that you can compare it to others completely. And this leads to the next topic that I was going to bring which is obstacles. Being compare or compare is kind of an obstacle and also like bad relationships and not having like really supportive people around you, which I'm sure people we have, but there are also people that don't support that much. And when you notice these type of things, obviously it reduces your motivation to work on things. So I feel like for me, that's kind of an obstacle besides the possibilities and like the context that we have with our family, you know, like, but at least for me, not feeling supported or not feeling understood, it's something that completely changes my point of view on things. And it's hard to get back. I am my biggest obstacle in terms of how much energy I put on things around me that affect me and stop me from making my stuff, as I honestly do. Another obstacle would be like getting involved in a project that uh, all of a sudden you don't enjoy. And honestly, it took me a while to understand, but I'd like to share this experience because I feel like it was really nice. I realized during the pandemic, last semester on the pandemic, I had this internship acoustic because I loved my acoustic engineering class. So I was mm -hmm. like, I should try this. Obviously, it was not for me. I'm like more into the creative industry. And I feel like that was really engineering, you know, like, and, but I wanted to try. 
I was there a month and I was like, this is completely not for me. Maybe I should make my own job. So I made a meeting with my boss and I was like, what am I going to say? Like, I'm going to drop this internship because I think I'm going to start my own agency. And that's what I did. I was so nervous about that. I was going to be my own obstacle because I was so nervous about doing it that there will be a chance that I decide not to do it just because I was nervous or just because I was afraid. You are your own obstacle. As soon as I got into the Zoom, I was like, I'm going to make my own agency. I'm going to drop this job. I'm so sorry. I really appreciate that you hired me, but I think this is not for me. There was a silence. And he was like, well, I hope my company works with yours in the future. And I was like, that's so nice. You know, like, I hope we find another bell because you are too intense and you're like so workaholic and you get things done so fast. And I was like, that's really beautiful to hear. If I didn't build my agency, I wouldn't even have a project to present for the masters. You know, like, I feel like everything got on its way because I didn't let the obstacles consume me. And it's all about, again, the inner voices and it's all about motivation and it's all about believing in yourself. But if you don't take risks, one of my philosophy, my life philosophy motto will be never stop yourself from doing something that you want to or never stop yourself from saying something that you want to say because you're going to regret not doing it. You can fix it if you do it wrong. You, you can fix it if it's a mistake. But if you don't, you'll never know. That's like the way I deal with obstacles. What about you? So many obstacles in life, no? I want to eat this for dinner, but then I, I also want to eat that for dinner. That's a big <laughs> obstacle. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I think for me, there's also the matter of since I know I will be pursuing a career that has a lot of movement, a lot of traveling, and it's always a struggle finding where to go next because I always have that drive of like, I want to try and explore new things. But then I know that I will be mainly operating in the West and my family, I don't think my parents want to leave Vietnam because obviously we have incredible food. How do I keep that relationship ongoing? How do I keep myself feeling good about me making these decisions while I'm away from home? Because I do want to stay close to my parents and there will come a day where my parents or, you know, a lot of people in my life are not there anymore. I think that's a big obstacle that I don't think I'll ever be able to fully resolve. But something that I will work towards thinking in a better way about or trying to find a way that we can, you know, rekindle that obstacle in some way. I don't know. It's like a big question mark for me. And then another obstacle is being able to be in music. And for me, I'm struggling between figuring out whether I want to be a performer or I want to be a business person. Because nowadays, I don't feel super comfortable saying I'm a music business student still, you know, because I'm very (laughs) much like a musician. I still love being in the studio. I still love interacting and talking to musicians. I don't like negotiating. I don't don't like any of that networking stuff. (laughs) But you have to do at some point. And it's good practice for me. It's also a struggle of finding the balance. How much of music, how much of that do I actually want to do? And how much do I want to take the back seat and do more of the business role, the marketing role, the supporting role? Because when you're like marketing for an artist release, at some point you're like, when do I get to market my music? You know, when do I get to do that? And what do I want to make out of all these years of training that I had with piano, with, you know, I play a bunch of other instruments as well. And I recently got into conducting during undergrad and that was also super fun. So how do I use all these skills? And I think potentially a way that I could do it is through education. I also enjoy teaching people a certain amount. I don't crazy love it because I have not a lot of patience. But people tell me, hey, you're actually good at explaining concepts. And I've never really thought about that. You don't think about things until people are like, hey, you're good at this. Hey, I could see you doing this. And so I consider that a potential career. I just have a lot of thoughts in my mind about things I could do with what I have. That could be an obstacle because I still love juggling a lot of things. 
And I'm sure that you understand this too. What do I do with all of my passions, all my interests? But at some point, you have to pick and choose. And I'm getting progressively better at doing that. Of course, we love wearing too many hats, right? Yeah, I think also all going toward the same thing, like finding a balance. Because I studied makeup and I, and I want yeah. to study stylists like in the moment in my life. But I feel like if you find a point where you combine, which for me now is building my artistic career and then building other people's careers, because building like their identity is like also involved about styling and their yeah. image, their music as much as my music. So, yeah, I feel like we need to find this balance. Yeah. And if we get so many projects, we need to get as many projects of business, as many projects of our music. Not too much as probably we have. Maybe we have more than we, we should. <laughs> I don't want to know, honestly. I'm happy right now. Yeah, we get really excited about new things, but I hope we have enough time with the semester. Today is our first day of classes. We're getting back to semester and this is the first day and this is the first day of the podcast, as you may see. The good thing about you or I guess me, in a way, is that we try to follow through with projects. Yeah. I see a lot of people start and then stop. If I don't start, it's not there. But if I start, I want to finish, finish it, you know, because that just gives me a sense of completeness or something so that I can move on to my other interests. Of course, there are some times where you put more attention to some things than others. And that's part of prioritizing, like maybe to my agency, like personally, sometimes I put school first because I have to, even though it's my agency, because I'm still a student. But when, when you get to that point, priorities change, levels change. So I feel like that's going to be something good for us at some point. And yeah, of course, obviously, finishing everything we start is important. <laughs> it's so important. But well, we are still in our early 20s. So let's see what's coming next. Thank you for tuning in this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and see you guys next time. See ya. See ya.